Hello everybody, welcome back along to another episode of the Precision Unloaded podcast. This is episode 35, I believe. Uh, tonight we have uh, your regular host, Graham and Mark, and joining us once again is Anthony, uh, New Zealand's currently number two precision shooter, um, but we'll touch on that later. <laughs> uh, welcome along Mark and Anthony, how are you two chaps? Yeah, good. Yep, yep. Yep. Mark, you're alive? Yeah, excellent. I was just uh, absorbing that opening there where you really... Really sold it. Got into the guest with, a, you know. with an insult. Yeah. But number two is pretty good. Anyway, anyway, so um, tonight's... Uh, I was episode, fifth once. You were number one for a long time, Mark. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, okay. Um, tonight's episode, we're going to talk about... Do you want uh, some more ammo or something, do you? I think I'm pretty good, actually. Right. <laughs> um, tonight's episode, we're going to talk about the recent um, GPRE Barrel Burner event, um, which was meant to be the um, Tarata Practical Rifle. Um, we'll, we'll touch on that briefly. Uh, we won't dwell on it too much. Uh, and we'll talk about sort of... Uh, I finally shot a stag, so we'll cover that in the sort of um, what have we been doing section we normally do. But yeah, it should be just again normal, normal stuff. Chatting back and forth, and we may head off. Uh, who who knows where the uh, evening will take us? So, welcome Anthony once again to the podcast. I noticed when I was Thank at your you. house, you've got a, a microphone now, so you're well set up to uh, appear on the on the show. Um, so, what if Mark? Let's let's cover off our normal things first. Mark, what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? Brief overview, apart from obviously the, the topic at hand. Uh, shooting a lot of two D three, so. And uh, getting uh, practiced up for the event we just held. So, so just getting familiar with that again and testing everything out to about 600 meters, um, making sure that it was uh, doing what it was supposed to. So, which we'll talk about later. But anyway, um, other than that, just obviously accommodating that shoot on short notice, which was good fine worked out we finally had rain so wasn't too worried about stock or anything so no it was good got all that tidied up and we've we're all packed up and done by about five o'clock on saturday so yeah that's me and anthony i guess you've been similar things well well to be fair i was hanging out with you in the lead up to it so i imagine it's pretty similar to what i've been up to is it yeah a lot of shooting um and yeah, probably just trying to get back into the swing of the more positional PRS type shooting after sort of concentrating all summer on the big gun stuff. But um, yeah, a couple of good training sessions with you last weekend and Nick and Ian and um, yeah, just trying to sort of get back into the groove of not being prone and not being on the bipod. Yeah, that's fair. So, so as as, as Anthony mentioned, uh, I. We were meant to go for a family trip, but due to little ones being crook and all of that, I managed to head over for a couple of days and just hang out with Anthony, and we did a bit of intensive sort of, I guess you'd call it intensive, training sessions for the lead-up for Tirada. Um So that dodgy photo gave you work, Graham, so you got to go. Yep. Yeah, it made, made my family sick, so I could go alone. It was great. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, we um, actually we hit it pretty hard for a couple of days. Um, pretty much all just mock stages and... Um, 22 and 223 um 
we burned a case of 223 ammo and all our 222 ammo we had and um it was a pretty wicked especially the day two of the session that um we ran was um it was great it was intense the weather was sort of closing in fast and we were just <laughs> we were just going hell for leather for um for a while and run a mock stage so anthony and i we'd, we'd come up with a rough stage run through it and if we had any major issues we'd go back and sort of try and hammer out a solution to the issue and then you know run it through a few more times and and then mix it up with another stage and it was um it was probably one of the better training sessions i've ever had actually it was very targeted and not just laying down shooting for the sake of shooting um yeah i i, I do appreciate that anthony that was good fun and obviously it sort of seemed to pay off um with how we got on on saturday but yeah, and then we went. We went. Um, we finished up that site. So I somehow got tricked into making a helping make hay for a day. <laughs> so maybe don't always accept an invitation to come early. Uh, he'll put you to work. But um, yeah, uh, I'm still pulling prickles out of my hands from moving about five or six hundred hay bales. But uh, I guess that's the price you pay. And then after the sort of training sessions were done, we went out for a hunt. Uh, we spent maybe. I don't know, two or three hours, wasn't too long, walking around the rain that had turned up, um, sort of the rain that sort of broke the drought all over New Zealand, and um, we seen a bunch of hinds and a few things like that, and weren't seeing much in the way of stags, and then uh, we'd sort of, we'd looked over one area as we are finishing up, and um, we were just sort of checking out one last spot, and then, then Anthony looked back over at the, uh, where we'd, sort of previously been looking and there was a uh not stag i shot but a bigger stag and that took off and then anthony spotted another stag and so we got into about 300 meters and i finally sort of um laid eyes on it and uh, <laughs> anthony he said to me he said, oh, there's an old sort of post there and he said oh it's above that post and i was like man all i can see is a, a big pile of sticks from like a big old tree that have fallen down he goes now half those sticks are antlers oh shit actually and there's the face in the middle of it so um the stag was looking at us yeah pretty much bang on 300 from memory and um we couldn't see his body so i just um super calm nice stable position so i just shot him in the neck and sort of uh the adam's apple type area if you can i doubt they have an adam's apple but yeah just um dropped him and end up shooting into quite a nice quite a very nice 10 pointer actually and he's just he's just starting to rub his velvet off so he's all hard underneath and ready to go so pretty stoked and um then i had to get a lesson in it from anthony and caping out an animal in the middle of the night and um and also how big uh, red stag's um body is to be you know chopped up and carted around compared to a fellow deer um any comments on that anthony yeah, like it was that was just a it just topped off a pretty epic day all round. Like we'd had that good shooting session in the morning, and then um, you know, and then sort of spent the afternoon dedicated to a bit of hunting and um, yeah, nice to see a few animals around, which was pretty common anyway over here. And um, yeah, we knew the stags would be sort of ready to go, hardening off, and if not stripping for the bigger ones, and um. Yeah, it's yeah. Whether you're shooting or not, or just the just the one uh, going for a walk, it's still just as exhilarating. So, and he was a bloody nice, bloody nice stag. And he's just missing his bay tines. Otherwise, he would have been an extremely nice twelve. But 
Um, yeah, really, really nice animal. The only uh, only critique I'd make is we probably should have got into the caving out a bit sooner than we did. Yeah, it was a bit cold so by the time we got to it. <laughs> got a bit, got a got a bit cold and a bit hard. Had to chop most of it off instead of being able to rip a bit of it off, and um, which yeah. didn't help. But yeah. yeah, the the size the size of the stags, you know, when you as you say when you're not used to looking at them, um, you know, you're a lot of fallow and no reds at all when you see a big red on the ground it's like looking at a cattle beast no it was I, to be fair i obviously i was happy with the stag i shot but over the last couple of weeks i was sort of looking at um pictures and uh you know tv shows i'm actually sort of more and more aware how good the the 10 i shot actually is um it's, I'm, I'm pretty happy and i'm looking forward to getting it uh put on the wall in my office yeah i should actually um give him a quick measure up because he's still here while, mm. while he's here i'll give him a measure and see what he um you know just yeah. get some length and i'll just give him a give him a quick douglas score as well and just do a length and stuff like that and so you got some numbers but he'll go pretty good for a that'd, 10 that'd be awesome yeah but like i said there so i bought a bunch of meat home for some um i don't eat that much venison but a bunch of my workmates do so they've got some rather big legs to deal with on their end and um i'll keep the back stakes and stuff like that i'd say but yeah, but again, I appreciate you. Uh, this is the third time um, trying over there to do it, and um, <laughs> for once, I didn't embarrass myself, um, and I was sort of yeah. But anyway, it's good to get that finally ticked off the list, and after several sort of false starts. But yeah, anyway. But again, thanks Anthony for uh, helping me shoot that nice stag and helping me deal with it afterwards. Um, but again, no let's probably let's talk about the. Ahatiti barrel burner. So this match was again we shot the Torado Practical Rifle Teams event last year in November. This and it was on Saturday, very rainy day, a uh, bit of fog, but not too bad. Day two was just uh, fogged right out, and so the, the the match got canned. A new date was set um, for this this weekend, just gone, um, being the um, the sixth of oh sorry. 5th of um, February and no, I'm looking at the wrong date sorry 12th of February and um, uh, then the, in the end the, the land that the Tarada venue fell through due to various reasons so um, Mark got the call up from Simon at GPRE at uh, not even I'd say a week out from the event if, if, if we could um, if he could host the event there and Mark being ever gracious as he is um, come to the rescue didn't you Mark in a way yeah i did <laughs> yeah i did <laughs> which saved on traveling it, it did save traveling for you made more yeah. for me and it meant all the targets were in one direction which meant uh i didn't have to deal with turning around and facing the other way to shoot <clears throat> so you didn't have to deal with multiple wins <laughs> <laughs> two of them yeah two of them um, so what we have the difficulty. So the um, the match took place on what would be commonly known as our um, our winter event stages, uh, and now so the Millsurp, um event uh, stages too. So there's still some remnants of surplus steel there, um, a couple of trenches and stuff like that. Um, so those got pressed into service, which is quite different from what we'd normally deal with in a. Um, practical field match but you know it was there so it was used and they were pretty cool uh, albeit muddy 
Um, so again, Simon had a week to come up with a whole new course of fire, which is uh, difficult at the best times, let alone with um, you know no real um, length of, of time to plan it. Um, but yeah, uh, again, so he got that all sorted. We set up on the Friday, went up and gave him a hand to set up, haul all the steel around. Um, probably the quickest setup we've actually ever done um, in any of the events, GPRE or TRS. And yeah, and then the rain coming about midday. And it didn't let up all afternoon. I'm not sure it let up much overnight either. So I think uh, we must have lost maybe a dozen competitors at a guess due to weather. They sort of um, get a bit scared off. Um, but yeah, driving to the event on the Saturday morning um, on sort of the southern side of Mount Messenger, for those of you who know the area, was very foggy. And I was sort of thinking, like right way, all the way to my house, um, half an hour south. And I was thinking, oh, fuck, here we go again. And But as we crested the, um, the, the peak of Mount Messenger, there was Ahatiti in all its glory. You know, we had sort of a kilometre of visibility thereabouts and... Um, the weather wasn't too bad, um, so we ended up with a day of varied weather, I'd call it. So we had a bit of rain at, at the start, reasonable rain, and then that sort of cleared out to sh- odd shower and um, quite a bit of wind. But the wind wasn't too bad, um, reasonably um, coming straight at you or, or, or slightly left and right. Um, but yeah, then again, turned into a great day, so um, uh, we all sort of ran... Now let's let's talk about you, your setup first, Mark, and, and your thinking. Um, obviously, you've put it, put some stuff up on the podcast Facebook page about it. Do you think I had thinking? What well, you did because you messaged me about it. You know, I've got this theory. It's going to take me. I wasn't win. thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now that I was shooting the Christian Arms MPR thirty three, so it's one I carry around a lot for piece of control. <clears throat> Plenty of ten round mags and stuff for it, so. Um, I was a bit worried about the barrel wandering when it heats up, but it's pretty good. It's fine for 15 shots. It stops, doesn't wander until about then in a string. So, so I did some testing around that and uh, using the 75 grain PPU match ammo still. So um, basically just heat it up every night and when I could and basically blazed away at various ranges, basically 300, 500, and 600, just checking and my hope, yeah, but unfortunately I didn't have a lot of wind variation for three days, so it was just humid and not windy, so I didn't get a lot of challenge in that respect. Um, but the main thing I was testing out was making sure that, because it's a SIG Sierra 6 BDX scope, so it's a 3 to 18 power, it's the Generation 2 one, um, so it's got better glass but it has more holdover dots. So basically what it has is you can set in the app fixed holds for distance and then basically if you say 200 metres, 400 metres, 500 metres or even 430 metres or any, any, you know, it'll basically put up to seven different um, distance holds in the reticle showing up. Illuminated. Um, but the only thing it doesn't do in that configuration is, if, is any wind holds. So when you do it using the rangefinder and you've got the wind set in it, it will um, give you an indication on either side of where you should be aiming. 
for that distance. But only if more. only if you've got yeah. one distance, you're saying. Yeah, correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So if, as long as if you're using it in range, I guess range finder mode, I suppose whatever for want of a better term. So that's all right. So I just really had to realise I'd just look in Stralock Pro for all those ranges and look at the the distance I had to be from the plate and all that sort of thing. You know, nine inches, whatever it be, twelve, go from there. Um, so no, it seemed to work fine. Especially, I only found it to six hundred meters. I had to basically add an extra ten meters to the distance, which it worked out to be about five. At that range, it was actually lifting it up about five inches. So I wasn't going to muck around with anything else at that stage to try and correct that. But um, but that that worked fine. The rest of the ranges were spot on. So pretty much, you know. The 500 yard one was fine. Um, yeah, so that, that that was that. And on the day, uh, the weather forecast was well. The weather actual weather was a lot better than forecast, so we didn't have a great deal of um, rain or anything to deal with. The wind was a lot of the time in your face to a degree, or slightly off to an angle. It was a bit changeable from side to side at times, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so so by the time I got to stage, the Lunar Limit stage, I was holding about one and a half mils probably, um, or basically a plate and a half out to the right to hit it, hit the plate. So, um, well, if I actually hit it based on the Range arrows, cool. Yeah, anyway, no, you had it. You had it. You had it plenty. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so yeah, other than that, it worked fine. But it just simply wasn't as accurate. A due to the caliber, and B due to having no wind holds. Well, you know, ability to to adjust for the wind because it doesn't actually ever. It's you know it's a capped side turret, and it's, you can't reset it or anything. So you know you're not going to dial up or downwind with that setting because it basically it's just a, a straight adjustment turret. You know what I mean for for zeroing. Yeah. Yeah. So, but no, in terms of transitioning using so by, most you know a lot of those stages had three ta- say three targets. So I could put in. The 185 meters, the 370 or whatever it was, and then the 450, and you just basically go from one to the other as long as you know remember to use which dot. You're away, you go, and that worked fine. So I just made a few mistakes, shot the wrong targets. Oh, I did, yeah. Stage one, going great. Yeah. Stage one, that was the. Well, three sorry, position. our first stage was stage two. So yeah. yeah. Oh. The second big small. So yeah, that was that. Um, and, 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 yeah, in summary, I think it probably worked better than I probably thought in, in general, mainly only in terms of its ability to enter three different distances or four or five and then just transition between them. So, yeah, if you had some ability to cater for the, the windage, it would be quite good for those medium ranges. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thoughts? I, I think it's a I think it's an interesting concept. It's like a it's like a, a BC that is set to each stage. Uh, sorry, a, a 
a BDC that is set to each stage. Um, I used to yeah. run BDCs a lot, and I, I always liked them for hunting, so hunting out to three hundred meters and, and that kind of thing. It was quick and fast, and um, there wasn't a lot of fluffing around. Um, would you run it at the pre-raw shoot coming up? No, I originally did it because um, my wife's six five Grendel. I've put a scope on a BDX scope on that, mm-hmm. and there was exact reason I did it for if I was shooting with her in a competition like a the pre raw shoot, you know, getting started or a hunter type of thing. We'd just be able to enter the range values in there, and she'd have the three dots, and away she'd go, or four dots, or two dots, or whatever it would be, you know, and that would make it quite simple for her not having to dial. I mean, she's learning, so you know, it's just that was the original idea. So I actually thought I'd put it into practice myself to see if it worked okay, sort of thing. Yep, I think it's a valid idea, and it's neat that you ran it not just in like a a small competition; you ran it in a major um, <laughs> in a national level event. Yeah, good um, idea. Instead yeah. of running like one of your match just guns, a... <laughs> mm. it's I, I. It's not as if you're short on six five Creedmoors. Or six five cream or ammo, but anyway, no, yeah, that wasn't. A sh- I didn't have a shortage problem. That's the weird thing. At what point did you think maybe I've made the wrong decision due to the environmental factors today? Stage one, <laughs> the day <laughs> when I got out of bed. <laughs> I had an extremely high standard to live up to in my squad. So after yeah. I saw Anthony shooting the first couple of stages I was like yeah I'm really crippling myself using this so that's fine yeah yeah that's uh yeah when you messaged me I was like oh man why's he doing that for but but again it's but the other side is we've got a 2d3 only competition coming up so I was partly thinking about that are you going to run that scope in that I doubt it I, I would run a big tactical scope if I was you that's that yeah. class, the two D three class at the RTD Long Range Challenge is going to be very competitive. Yeah, I hear most of the shooters are building guns for it exclusively. Yeah, and, <laughs> and doing, spending a lot of money. You're not wrong. for for no purpose whatsoever. Apart but, from know, this comp, yeah. Let's just you know bring along a pretty basic two D three. No, I'm going to completely go bananas. <laughs> <laughs> well, your what's your Christensen worth, Mark? Oh. <laughs> Uh, $900, I think. Yeah, $900, that's what, that's what your accountant put it down as. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, so um, we'll touch on the, we'll touch on 2 to 3 match in the future. But um, yeah, so okay, that sounds like um, you had a bit of a bit of a struggle in the wind. and um, So was spotting the shots okay in the wet, the wet ground? No, it was very good. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, some stages swallowed it up, but I think it's sort of stage... Um, is the learning elements one? I could see all my misses. Um, I could hear my hits that weren't being called. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else could. <clears throat> Wes was telling me. Um, so, yeah, uh, once again, that was the other I thought, the thing I thought would be a problem. Although when I tested prior, it was super dry, and it was actually showing up quite well with the dust. There was plenty of dust around, so it was, I thought considering we'd had 150 mils of rain prior to that day over the, a week yeah it changed it around a bit but no there's still some splash coming up yeah that's alright then that's because I, I guess mean you guys would have you would have had no real problems throughout the day 
the only misses we couldn't spot is when the dude was shooting the tree hitting the branches in front of us. And oh, yeah, we had a lot of these. Yeah, <laughs> so maybe we, might, we might touch on that later, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think we were okay. Uh, there was a couple targets that had already been chewed up at like maybe 300 metres around them, and we struggled a little bit, even with like the ELDMs. But um, I, I definitely didn't struggle at all with my own, but just some of the squad mates were... Um, we struggled to see a few of these. But um, that's life sometimes. Yeah. So, okay, so you ran your 2-3. So what did you run, Anthony? I ran my uh, six mil Creed. So what, um, just my, what is that a hardy rifle? By at a guess. Yeah, my hybrid. Oh, um, do you shoot? Do you shoot for hardy, dear? I didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Gi- the giant white motocross t-shirt with hardy written all over it. Yeah, do you love that? Everyone else loves it. I it's do. I think good. it's funny. I thought it was funny because oh, it was so such you, a muddy. You event. weren't the guy in the in the singlet and leggings. No. No, the other guy. <laughs> no. 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 We should get them on a podcast. Those two guys from Fakatane. It'd be R eighteen though. It'd be it'd be trouble. Um, They're awesome. They are cool dudes. <laughs> They're like. Did anyone get a photo of him in just his banana leggings and a singlet? No, oh, that's a shame. Anyway, um, I just said that. I remember on the last stage, it was just this Anthony walking back from shooting it, and the other guy lining up to start, and it's just such a contrast. <laughs> Fully kitted out and just a singlet. <clears throat> Fully kitted yeah. out and then just Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. We need. We need. A, we might chuck a photo of, if they if they don't mind the last one. We chuck a photo of one of them shooting in their singlet up on on the page. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah anyway, so you were running the six mil, same thing. One oh eight. Were you or the one tens? Uh one tens. Well, how are you finding those yeah. for splash? Ah, uh, fine. Yeah, yeah, as good as the yep. the ends. Uh, uh, not quite as good, but um, yeah, it's yeah. The, the trick is though, Graham, and I've told you this before. You got if you hit the plates, there's no need to look for splashes there. But well, exactly. you could have you could have told that to Mark when he reckons he kept hitting the plate and they're calling it misses. He's an open oh, class, no. Graham. He doesn't have spear shots. Ah, that's true. Not like me. Yeah. <laughs> that was now the the one tens. The one tens actually go pretty good. Um, and the. You know, for, for Splash, they're not as good as the 108s. We've run the 108s quite a bit as well, but um, it's still really visible. Like, there's no issues, yeah. so it's fine. Side question, Anthony, what other projectiles have you tried? I mean, just because, you know, there's a shortage, blah, blah, blah. But... And it's not at his house, Jesus. No, no, I know, I'm just saying in general. But have <laughs> you used some other stuff, though? I mean, or over, you know, for, for your 6mm, for example, have you just stuck to that, those two? Yeah. No, we've sort of exclusively been those two. Okay, um, yeah. And that's about it, really. But, yeah. I just see some new what, stuff what, arriving, various, you know. I wasn't aware there was actually a projectile shortage out there. There's, what's this news about a shortage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, to be fair, those two um, are quite good projectiles. Like, you, you can't really go wrong with the 108 or the A-tip, can you? No, they shoot. They shoot just as good as the other. Eight. Like possibly the one tens are a little bit better. I just find them slightly more consistent out, sort of at the extended ranges of what we shoot. Sort of like that seven or eight hundred meters for that little gun. Yeah. Um, they seem to be more consistent there, but uh, I don't know. It's 
yeah just what we're running so we're sticking to it it's, um until i run out of them and then i'll go back to the 108s i i would have bought all your 108s by the time you uh go have to go back to them mate you'll be right i'm in i'm in yeah. rather short supply <laughs> but anyway um okay so that but you didn't have any troubles obviously um rifle ran good and um no issues yeah right no right they went pretty soft load and that six mil was just same basically the same load i ran at tarada teams event and that horrible weather and um nah no actually you can fill the barrel with water and it would still be fine you know so it's pretty pretty slow for a six mil we run them only around uh 2900 um so there's never any danger of overpressure or anything like that but yeah no issues with all the gear and smooth and um yeah, no issue with scope fogging up or anything like that. Well, apart from one when I sort of changed, closed the lens caps when it was covered in water. And... But uh, that's about it. No, it was, it was good. That's actually one thing I, after shooting the Tirada teams match um, three, four months ago, I had enough lens cloths to clean my glasses and my scope for every single stage. Because I, you know, you, they we had that much driving rain, and it's sort of hard. And I didn't um, have caps on my scope at the time, nor do I now. Um, so I had enough to clean my shit for every single stage. Not that I really needed it in the end, but there was just a learning from that shoot. Was um, and I had them all bagged out individually, so like in Ziploc bags. <laughs> Dudes who wear glasses, eh? They're always thinking ahead. Nerds, fucking nerds. <laughs> Um, to be fair, after Tirada, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go get a new prescription for contact lenses. And then I didn't remember that until about five days before the this match. Um, so i got to get onto that because glasses in shitty conditions are just a big crutch, really. They're, um, anyway, but yeah. Um, the, main, the main problem I saw was people trying to snap off their lens clips, ramming them through that log or the post, one of the two. The post, I think. There was a fair bit of jamming going on there with the, um, the flip-up caps on the end of the scope. Yeah, I would say there was quite a, few, a reasonable... Few, there was a couple, one, two, three, stages that were had quite tight um, uh, openings would be the... Oh, still weird, but the word to use. Um, yeah, and, and like you'd sort of want to get your scope in there and build your position solid, but like you say, you could drag your... Uh, your scope cap off or, or scratch up your scope so you had to sort of make that decision but um yeah so anyway I'm, 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 pr- I'm probably the only person who seems to run a sunshade on their scope I don't even know why I do it I run them on all of them yeah um and so they that look, made it particularly they look, they look, particularly they look bad ominous. yeah it's just <laughs> it makes them look more ominous <clears throat> <laughs> They do. I think I personally think it's actually effective in the sun and and in the rain, keeping the rain off unless it's coming straight at, straight down the barrel. Yeah. Um. But it didn't really didn't help on some of those tight bits because obviously you're adding, you know, a few inches to the front of the scope. So for those tight tight bits, it was yeah, you'd be a bit careful. I've heard it reduces how far it can we reduce can fogging. It. it can reduce fogging. So that's what you know another. Thing I was reading a while ago. Well, I guess it'd be deflecting heat from around the chamber yeah, away from the lens. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, when I first got into precision guns, I thought they looked super cool, and I ran them on everything. And now I sort of grew up and realised I looked dumb and took them off. But um. Didn't you put two on a gun? I yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
There you go, Anthony. Run two sunshades. <laughs> no, no I fucking did. But I did, will say, if if you ever shoot our winter event and you are getting to stage eight by the end of the day, you oh, need yeah. a sunshade. Flip and heck. I need to put like a marquee up there for those guys. i actually seen what's... Here's something I've noticed out of uh, the United States of America is guys running, instead of running a sunshade and having to like carry it in their pack and fuck around... What they're doing is getting, are they called bear koozies? Cozies? You know, the little sleeves your bear goes in? Um, so you look, keep your hand warm, I don't know. They're cutting, oh, yeah. the, they're cutting the base out of those, sliding them over the objective so they're out oh, of the yeah. way. And then as they need a sunshade, they're just sliding this silly piece of foam forward. And now they've got a, um, I'm gesturing with my hands for some reason. Um, and now they've got a, um, a sunshade. Quick, smart, as you need it, um, on the clock even. So that's, I mean, it might look dumb, but shit, something to consider. Um, and you can keep a beer cold. You can keep a beer cold for after the match, yes. But yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting, um, that could be worth looking into, I guess. Especially, it's more so, I guess that's a, a really a winter shooting issue. It's when right, the sun's my, sunshade, my sunshades are going back on. Well, you need you don't really drink now, so you need to use for all your beer cozies. cozies yep. Yeah, so maybe I'll get one off you. But yeah, um, anyway, so what did I run? Because thank you for asking. Uh, I ran my 6mm as well, 6mm Creed. Mine's running a little bit faster than Anthony's. Uh, I need to slow it down. It just hasn't happened yet. Um, same thing, 108s at about 30, 90, so more than they should be going for me. Yeah, anyway. that's fine. <laughs> um, and that's in a Howell 1500 and then a MDT chassis setup and then the Delta Um Delta Striker on top, nice scope, makes it easy. Um, again, I don't have any flip-up caps. <laughs> the, the only thing that really um, I should sort out, get some Tenebrix caps or <clears throat> or something along those lines. And I one thing I did do is I... About, do the ones off the Javelin fit? No, I tried that. They don't. They're slightly oh. slightly different size. Because I was like, fuck, these caps are awesome, you know, off the yeah. Javelin. They're aluminium. Yeah, no, they're... Um, and one thing I've noticed with like plastic ones that sleeve over the, the objective they pop off sometimes when people are sort of um, carrying their gun on their back and stuff like that so um, yeah I did change my scope rings out from a set of what did I have tier ones or something to a some Ordeur I think is how you say it Ordeur Italian um, it's, big, it's a single piece mount um, Arlington ones yep uh, the only thing I would say that well they're very nice very well made they are but they're taller so obviously I entered that into my um, ballistic um, information and altered it for the point one that made a difference but when it came, we had a pay a stage where we shot paper at 10 meters it was a 50 mil dot and then it might have been like a 30 a 20 and a 10 or something something along those lines at about 10 meters so it was like a little learn your limits up close on paper i hadn't figured out what my hold above was for close range paper and that um nearly went custard you know, which had to custard for me. So that's one thing I sort of I'll mention. That's probably the one few fuck ups I made of the day was um, not taking into consideration that I had a new mount, um, very nice mount. I like. I'll, I haven't really put anything online about it, but I'll, I actually I've got a few sets of these rings. I'll, I'll put some stuff up. Um, but uh, yeah, um, something to consider anyway. Whether it's an issue for matches where you, wherever you live in the South Island or. Australia or United States where we get quite a, a strangely large amount of listeners from um, we do uh, 
quite often here in the North Island of New Zealand, close range. So it'll be like a medium or long range match, and then all of a sudden you'll have a 10 meter target paper thrown in, and it really can screw guys up. And, and this one was um, unsupported standing for everybody, for open class, for practical class. Um, so it was quite challenging. But anyway, um, yeah. So anyway, so any, so you two chaps, any sort of um, standout stages that you sort of liked, disliked, struggled with, um, want to mention? Oh, the one you just talked about, I just smashed it. It was great. I, I don't think anyone smashed that stage. So the stage we're talking about, it's called Post for oh. the Trees. It was actually it was actually one of our surplus steel stages. We sort of made a barricade out of Mark's um, lovely new fence posts. Um, yeah, new posts. New posts. <laughs> I, I should I need to get in there and take a. I'm, actually, there's some good photos of cat shooting. Maybe I'll check one of those online if she, if she'll let me. I'll just blur her face out or something. And um, so it's just some posts. Some were horizontal and some were sort of on the uh, a bit of a diagonal, and gave you a couple awkward little windows to shoot through. And it ended up being the hardest stage of the day. No one at all cleared it. Um, the average score on it was like 40% or 43%. Um, average out of everyone. Um, Look yeah. at the little target, little to the short target. Most people had struggled with that anyway. So, um, As in the short range steel target or little no, paper target? the paper, yeah. yeah. Like Anthony got through to three, three of them, you know, one to go, I think. Yeah. Didn't you, Anthony? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I so. Managed to, yeah. I managed to get through three of them, and but the last one was minute and, you know, whatever. <clears throat> but yeah. we had one guy in our squad, we couldn't even see where he went. Oh, you didn't get any of them? <laughs> no, you didn't even get on the paper. <clears throat> yeah. It was bizarre. <laughs> I actually, with, um, it was quite good for when Kat shot it. She was um, the first shooter for the stage, and so she just, her page, you know, she had the dots at the top, so she just referenced the top of the page as her aiming point. You know, your, your top yeah, of your A4 yeah. page, and she she hammered through first three and, and got three, and then didn't bother with the fourth and um, shot it really, really well. Um, I think she must have got the steals, but um, oh, she got 12 points, which is above average on that stage. Um, yeah, or, or you know, uh, to be fair, that's equal with um, a lot of really good guys. But um, anyway, yeah, it was I was a cool stage. Um, I did okay on it. Anthony did okay. Mark did seven points, so average below average. Um, but again, was probably the harder stage of the day. Um, definitely looking at the scores, um, but good fun. That that close range paper, it's. Man, it's it's a real good way to mess guys up. Someone can be competent out to a mile, and then you throw a real close range target at them, and it turns to custard. Um, looking at you, Anthony. Um, but... Have you seen any other shoots, Anthony? Is that no. Straight <laughs> no. out, no. Yes. Maybe we should no. get. I'm going to send. We should send Blair some some targets to throw it in or something. But um... do you, do you see it as a useful thing or annoying? Um, I can't think of a use for it but it's like it's there right so we've got to do it but I'll just try like if we're trying to translate it to a hunting scenario or something you probably possums would yeah and also if you have to take a very close range shot at a deer's head be it fully alive or wounded a lot of people will blow deer's jaws off yes so that's where it actually 
if you're looking for a practical reasoning, um, it's a very common thing. To, oh, fuck, I've done it with a goat. You know, you shoot the lower part of its face off, and if you're not lucky and don't get another shot away quickly, um, it'll run off with the lower half of its face missing. So No animals were hurt in the telling of this story. <laughs> um, to be fair, I've been shooting a lot of possums around my house lately, and they're all up close, and I'm having to do the exact exact thing we're yeah. talking about, as Mark said, because um, at about five metres... So, uh, well, I think a lot a lot of people don't actually realise how much you need to hold over at that distance. Yeah, like, you know, pull, pull your app out, put eight metres in, and have a look. For for me, I was having to hold five point eight mils above. Yep. And I even I did a double take. I was like, hmm, is that <laughs> right? And then I decide decided it was when I worked backwards and thought right if the scope's about five and a half centimeters above the target at ten at ten meters it would be five and a half mils you know it's just the math so at eight meters about five point eight or six is about right so and yeah sure enough like and it was bang on you know so it's exactly as you mentioned we've I think we've probably said this 20 times over the last 35 podcasts but it's just it's just the mechanical offset between the center of your bore and your center of your scope at 10 meters that's all it is um so just remember that it's and it's very useful for 22s like for those guys coming to the upcoming 22 matches we are currently planning which we haven't announced but um (laughs) there will be close range shit like fucking steel targets at 10 meters man like that's it's a reality as we know so so on that um like you know my my history of close targets with the 22 it's been awful but we've been running that 5 to 25 ATAC on the 22 and my um my short action hybrids I run a 7 to 35 ATAC on it and mm-hmm. so as soon as I saw there was an 8 meter stage I just panicked right because I was like <laughs> shit like the the 5 to 25 won't focus down anything less than 25 meters and turns out the seven to thirty-five will focus easily down to five or ten meters. So that was um, that's good. Learned so, learned something huh. there. So I could I could see them very clearly, and I could focus the reticle and everything. Whereas historically, when I've tried to shoot new... those close targets before, I just can't see anything. Is it a newer? So, um, the seven is a newer model of scope than the uh, the five, or not? Or just. No, no. It's just, just how they've the got the um. It's just how they've got them got them built. Yep. Yeah. 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 They're a bit. They're a little bit backwards. Those models, because you think like the seven to thirty-five would have more adjustment, and but the yeah. five to twenty-five has the more adjustment, you know, elevation-wise as well, and so that's actually the more longer-range scope um, hmm. than the, than the seven to thirty-five is. You you miss about. I think we've got a hundred. MOA in the in the seven to thirty five and one hundred and thirty in the five to twenty five of elevation yeah, significant yeah um, and just your ability to parallel to focus down on close stuff is just not there with the the other one but this one will actually let you come right down to you know I had no problem seeing that target which I was put my mind at ease I was, as I said I quietly was panicking and saying God here we go again but. <laughs> Not, yeah. not too bad. That's interesting to note, though, because, like you say, that's been one of the shortcomings with some of the higher end um, night force optics. So that's cool that, um, hmm. cool that that's working for you. And obviously, you're able to get a few points from it. Um, so I'm trying to think what my favourite stage was. Ooh, I quite like stage seven, which was a. Um, it's, it's actually looking at scores, the easiest stage of the day. Um, you had sort of the targets from maybe. 
I don't know, 200 out to 500 metres or something. Maybe it was like two, three, four, five. And I think you shot each one, shot one, it went behind you maybe like five metres and there was a, a kettlebell and you moved that to another position. Went yeah, back, that's, shot that's another scenario. Target. Yep, and then kept repeat, after each hit, you'd repeat the movement of the kettlebell from left to right. Quite a common hunting scenario. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> yeah but that was quite fun uh, I, I sort of went as fast as I could at the start and then I had um, sort of a couple of movements and, and two shots remaining and they said oh you've, you've got a minute 40 remaining so I sort of slowed right down and just um, sort of semi-jog walked the last few and sort of preserved my breath a bit for the longer shots needed um, And that's that, you at full pace though a semi-jog walk Semi job. I've been, believe it or not, mate. I've been running nearly every night for like the last three months. Oh God, you and Jeff getting ready for bloody war. <laughs> I've already had my raw hunt. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and that was a, that was a cool stage. Um, what was your favourite one, mate? Uh, I like the top of the hill, the first stage one. Stage one, so which was for clean and clean and and no and it, no pretentiousness about it and you had so you had a pretty good score you had 21 out of 30 so you actually is your best stage of the day is this why you're choosing it was it stage one yeah yeah but i well, the unsupported the unsupported stage it was by far your best stage mark's one yep unless there's another mark a in there hmm. huh i don't remember him doing that well in that but... he got the same amount of points as you so <laughs> Yeah. I remember. I remember trying to stitch him up on that stage. <laughs> I heard about this. So what happened no, there? But I, I got all. Yeah. I, I shot all the other. <laughs> I shot all the. I shot every other target apart from the long one. So, and I'm assuming then. I don't know what happened there. Oh, yeah, they shot some me. So they, that's why you. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I had a side bet to try and hit the uh, the long target standing unsupported. So. And you didn't uh, get it done. No. You let us down. Yeah, I, I offered him a reasonable amount of money to, and I said yeah. you can have put all your all your rounds on it if you want. And Mark said, "Well, I could have shit, retired. Like, I could have retired, Graham." <laughs> I said, "This you could have put all your rounds on it in the stage to try and hit it." Yeah, you're yeah. not even in the same class. Where are you trying to <laughs> sabotage? <laughs> oh no, he he, he was he, 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 Max. Uh, Max said, "Oh, I'm not. I'm not." And to win it, so bugger it! I'm just going to try and do it. And I said, "That's the bugger." And, um, <laughs> yeah, I said, you, exactly. "You can have all, have all your all your rounds." So I wasn't phased which one had it, but he he chose um, after about three at it, decided he needed some points, so moved on. Well, it was wise because it was again it was his best stage of the day um, by a long shot. So um, still a ways off clearing it, but still good solid score, two thirds of the points, just a little bit over. Um, yeah, which is I'm assuming it was what two hits on each was it? Uh, you that's what was, it was three maybe three on each. Yeah, yes, I would have. I hit three hits on each of the other two targets. So, yeah, yeah, so, that'd be it. So this was my second stage, and I went into it quite confident, as I do. Um, it sounds like a story. <laughs> and so I shot the first target from the left hand side of. So there's three positions. The idea was I think there's a there's quite a big target at 200 meters. There was a small target at like three, three fifty or something, 
and then there was a medium, 338 it was actually 300 yeah it was 338 and then there was a medium-sized tail like 500 meters or something 474 there you go and then you had three positions marked one on the side of the hill one on top of the hill one on the opposite side of the hill yeah from one position you were to engage one of the targets of your choice from a sitting position or, or kneeling uh, the next um, position you would engage one of the remaining two targets from a prone or um, or standing position, and the prone being unsupported prone, so no bipods or thing. And then the third one, you'd, you'd engage the target you hadn't done, and obviously the position you hadn't done. So I started far left of the hill, sitting, trying to lean against the bank, and I thought, I'll shoot the long target. And um, I got all slung up, and... I had my sling too tight and I couldn't get it in my shoulder, so I thought, oh, I'll just, just sort of sit it high on the shoulder and free recoil a little bit. And uh, It didn't work at all, and my shots were going above the target, so I, instead of breaking my position and rebuilding it, which I should have done, I, I went the really, the rangy sort of route and shot at the bottom of the target, knowing that my shot would go high into the middle. But I'd already wasted too many rounds by this point. <laughs> I, so I got, I got like two, um, I think I don't know what, I got two hits or something. And then I went to, um, yeah, I started at 23 out of 30. So whatever that is. So maybe I only got one hit. And so then I then went to um, the middle. I did that standing at the 200 meter target, which um, I think it took me four shots to get the three hits. And then I only had two shots left. So the 338 meter small target, um, I just went prone, sort of Hawkins on the ground with my... Um, rifle on my hand and my rear bag oh, I and then, thought it was no bipod yeah, yeah and then I just um, you sort of jam your, your rifle stock sort of low in the armpit so it's sitting in the ground and I had the, the medium target easy um, but then I was just out of ammo so um, you realise that medium target was worth the most points I do now that you've just told me that's why I did like that stage that, it was worth four like points that's why I like that stage the most because I think I had the most choices of how you could do it in a way, because um, it was open in terms. Of, yeah, and it was interesting at the end looking at Simon giving some tips on what to do. You're like, yeah, I should have done. You know, you know, if I was gonna, apart from my side bet, which ruined the whole thing, but um, <laughs> <laughs> was actually, you know, reclining sitting position on that long target would have been is a pretty logical idea to do. You know, sort of thing. But no one actually did it. In our squad, I don't think you know type of thing, and prone off the right side, and depending on what, yeah. So it was good. It's just interesting the choices and options you did did have. You could have, you know, and it seems like people did all sorts of bloody things on it. So in terms of how they shot it, I'm not I guess sure what your, your squad, Graham, which was full of very high scoring results. I think I think the issue is sometimes people will see like the top of the hill and they'll go, well, obviously I'll go prone here. Yeah, and the and the, the sort of um, unsupported prone, and that's that's sometimes the trick. There could be a better position off the side for one of the other shots, or the top might suit something else, and then you do the, the sort of prone off the the sort of more gentle side of the hill and stuff like that. So, and we can maybe use the terrain to lay your body out a bit easier and uh, get a better Hawkins position. Because um, that, that's yeah, sorry, because the short target was quite big. Yes, yeah, you know. it was very big, but but it was. And even hand. even even the long target was comparatively big compared to that middle distance one. So you know, that yeah. was also. Yeah, I sh- I should have I should have. Looking back at it, I should have put more effort into the mid target, which was I you know my plan again was to shoot from the prone position, because um, it was 
you know, the smallest target by far. But do people go for the um, the long target prone more often than not, or not? Uh, yes, that's what I've seen a bit. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for some, my iPhone was just for some reason recording everything I said and typed it into a big long message. Anyway, <laughs> that's interesting. It got it really good too delete that or I should send it to my wife anyway um, yeah but no that was that was the mistake some people make they'll, they'll engage that big long target from a super super easy position yeah and um, then struggle with the others and then obviously this I, I'd have to look at this um, the scoring that Simon has but the 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 short range big target which was ideally shot from a unsupported standing position I imagine maybe got a few to be fair, if you were a little bit less um, experienced, that was probably a good place to put your kneeling shots or your sitting shots and just get the points rather than trying to um, be fancy on some of the other targets where you could be like, well, actually, if I just shoot the middle one prone and that one sitting, then I'm going to get a good chunk of points rather than, um, you know... Go uh, it reminded me I've got to do more standing unsupported anyway, practice-wise, so... Yeah, just something you always overlook because then, psh, what's the point? I don't even do that normally when I'm hunting or anything. So, yeah, I've been doing quite oh, a lot yeah, with yeah. twenty two. Yeah, well, of course you don't like it. Jeez, I know that. <laughs> That's why I said it because I knew I'd have a lot of support. <laughs> I hear. You. I've been doing a heap of over Christmas a lot of twenty two like that, just as like a end of day sort of little session. Just go up there and just do a heap of standing and just magged up. <laughs> yeah um but yeah so anyway so that that was a cool stage um all of us shot pretty good on it actually um 23 points for me out of 30 mark right. got so 21 i think i got 21 so pretty yeah. pretty similar yeah so who's got who's what's your favorite Graham? have you talked about that already uh i think i said the the sort of oh, the yeah, thing one. what was yours anthony anthony your, uh, the, yours the one was it three or four? The one under the Remu tree? We had oh, to go from side to side. Yes. A very pop, very popular tree that everyone likes it. <laughs> I quite like that. Actually, we do um, need to talk about this. So talk about the stage, what you like and everything. But then we, we need to talk about the issue of people shooting the fucking trees. <laughs> so there was... I'm going to lose my QE2 status for that tree. <laughs> it's not the tree, it's its seedlings. It's getting lead poisoning. And there was a there was a lot going on with that stage because it was 12, 12 shots and a mag change, yeah, um, for both classes. So I don't think practical had sphere rounds either, so it was just twelve. Um, six shots from a prone position on one side, big and small target at three different distances. Transition to the other side, shoot the same three targets from a um, unsupported positional position of your choice, as long as it wasn't prone. Yeah. And sort of, you know, it was one of those stages that you had to read properly because the big targets, which were quite big, um, apart from the far one, was worth three points. And the little tiny targets, which were, especially the far, far two, were really small, they're only worth one point. So, you know, if you focus your attention on the little ones too much and you really didn't need to you just had to go around and smack the big ones if you're struggling and yeah and get a heap of points and a lot of people just wasted even in, in our squad um they did yeah. even though we sort of said don't shoot the little ones if you keep missing it just move on um get your points on the big one but i think i dropped one shot on that which was 
the small target on the yeah yeah last on the last one positional but um yeah really i i enjoyed it good stage yeah yeah we had a few couple of people hit the deck on that stage trying to get around the tree so yep um but and we had one yeah where we couldn't see his couldn't spot his missus because he was flicking the branch in front of him 10 feet away so about three rounds went into that branch so this is quite a common thing and and definitely when simon designs stages is if if there's brush or something in front of the stage he will not clear it out like he you know he, he likes it being there and the idea that you have to simon fell victim to his own stage design on the on the test shoot remember that <laughs> but you so the idea is that you have yeah. to plan your bullets path right and understand that just because you can see through your scope doesn't mean that you can um, necessarily your bullet is going to make it there so um I, I did hear a rumor even move some in to make it even harder but that's that's uncomfortable yeah, you did. <laughs> but so again this um that we've shot a lot of stages from here over the last few years um Millsurf shoots our winter events and stuff like that and now this gpre event and each year the, the 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 trees just get more and more beat up again it's just these little it's limbs and stuff on, on the on the um, sort of outlying parts of the hilltop and we had one guy in our squad i was spotting but i was on the opposite side of the tree so i could sort of see and he'd sort of you know shoot it was like 250 meters or 300 meters not very far you know i'm going oh yeah i can't see anything nothing 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 what bullets are you running eldms well, i should be seeing something and then he's going, oh, maybe I loaded the wrong ammo. Like, what's going wrong? He's just sort of confused. And and then, boom, he hits one. Oh, there you go. Hit. Do that again. And then it was like the little target was saying, miss, 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 miss. He's like, I'm going to move on. I right, miss, 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 miss. Oh, okay. And then as I, he finishes, come around to clear his rifle from, you know, mag out, chamber flag in or, or whatever it was. And then I sort of look forward and I see there's a, a sort of a vertical, what used to be a small tree growing, and it's just fucking shredded the top half it looks like a um uh like a a leg of ham that's been left in the sun and all the meat's been eaten off it, it was it's just and it's just shit everywhere and i thought oh okay mate you've been you've been shooting that <laughs> those branches in front of you it all sort of made sense after it um quite near zero the stage poor bugger but um to which i said where was the rest of the squad helping out Again, so <laughs> one was scoring, the other one was down the hill getting ready. So, yeah, yeah, so well, don't blame them just because because uh, no, yeah, people yeah. like you make mistakes, mate. But uh, so he got he got I got five points, I guess, on the stage. So maybe not too bad. But um, yeah, that's just that thing to be aware of. Um, again, different events around the world and even New Zealand might not gonna maybe not gonna be an issue. Actually, to be fair, when we shot the Bulls PRS match, um, Jeff and I, Jeff from the gun rack, he um. There's a stick in front of him, and he actually took the stick home. It's got two perfect bullet holes right next to each other through it. Um, from him doing a similar thing on the long range stage, so it can—it's a silly mistake that can cost you a lot in the points. And when it comes to obviously practical um, application and hunting, it'll mean a missed animal. Um, and it's got—it's there to make you think too. If there's brush in front of the animal, when that bullet's going even slower. And it's getting close to the animal and there's trees in front of it it'll do a similar thing and it quite possibly won't hit your intended target so it's quite an interesting thing to deal with in an event and you just have to really pay attention to um doing it. actually on that one if you, you shot the first target when you moved sort of pointed your rifle at the second target from memory it then would have clashed 
where I was anyway with branches so I um I had to break position again and rebuild another um another time so good fun stage though it was um I only kind of shot okay on that one it wasn't stellar but okay yeah any thoughts on it Anthony um yeah I didn't find this well yeah I sort of looked at the sticks and thought I'll just put my rifle in between (laughs) see you only drop one point on the stage it was a good stage for you yeah yeah and it was it was the last little target and it was only worth one point anyway but but um yeah so I wasn't too wasn't too fast I I thought well as long as I had all the big ones and if I you know most of the little ones it'll be be pretty good but um and then once yeah I think Mark you had the strategy you thought oh if I you know if we can't try a couple of little ones and if you if yeah. you go no good with the 2d3 just go up and down bang all the big ones and yeah get your points yeah it's definitely wise especially with the smaller cartridge that's going to be a lot um a lot more susceptible to wind and stuff especially out that once you get to that five six hundred meter mark it's going to start struggling so yeah well, it's interesting people must get tunnel vision because like you're saying anthony he just had a look and worked out well i won't shoot there um to get between the sticks or whatever so yeah so obviously people just get down there and they're just not well they just you just look at the they just look at the target right like yeah, you know you exactly, just yeah. purely focus on the target but it's yeah. same uh, same when you're doing a hunting situation though you you put your gun down and you just have a quick look you know you find your position right what's in front of me look around what's yeah. between me and the target is the yeah. target clear is the front of the rifle clear right then we're good to go so it's just sort of depends what you used to but if it's hard when you when when someone says shoot already go and you're under time you know you can get that tunnel vision and just be like right we're just going to hit that target hit that target or why why am i not hitting the target and sometimes the last thing you think about is what's two foot in front of you yeah yeah actually that's a fair point though with the tunnel vision so we're in our last stage of the day it was the um when you're moving the kettlebell and, and Kat, she, it was like the second target and she was like, miss, miss, miss. And it's like not a hard shot. It's like, I don't know, 350 metres or something. Oh, the log. Yeah, and I was like, no, 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 it wasn't that. But I was like, just stop, rebuild your position, breathe and re-engage the target. Like, she was, I guess she was just, you know, missed it. And then, like, obviously, you're, it's a bit of a time restraint because you got to do all the running and stuff and and then so she just starts sending shots at it not figuring out what's going on and so she stopped you know resetted herself reset her grip bang hits it in the center and then you know moves and proceeds to get a few more hits and that frustration at why isn't this working and then you're like something's obviously wrong and then usually you don't think maybe it's what i'm doing and so you just start like hammering rounds down range and you can't see what's going on. Um, so sometimes that just resetting yourself, I guess, and thinking something's up here. Instead of just missing really quickly and using all my ammo, maybe I should take 10 seconds to rebuild my position, or even 20 seconds, and maybe get three or four good hits rather than a bunch of really fast misses. Oh no, it just it, it, it seemed to work and she reset herself and she was back on target. But that frustrated firing, just like bulk ammo, um, some would call it mag dumping, um, 
yeah, it didn't it didn't seem to help in that situation, I don't think. Hmm. What do you reckon? No, I agree. Being the king of mag dumps yourself. Yeah, I was looking at my uh, percentage. I think I was pretty crap. My hips, I must have fired a lot of rounds. But as I said, that the uh, the BDX multiple dots actually enabled me to probably shoot far, up faster anyway. So, um, so I could miss faster. Yeah. Yeah. And waste more ammo. Did, was it a tricky? I mean, we've already talked about it, but coming back around to the BDX with the weather, especially when it's raining, having to input data into your phone all the time in the rain and, and now super quick. You don't mind doing it? No, we just turn the scope back on, go to that. The app's already open. Just put in the three distances or four or whatever two. You know, turn off the other ones. You can turn it on or off and use as many as you want. It was fine. So. Yeah. Because I was just running. It's actually it's easier than stri- yeah. Yeah. It's easier than doing all the stuff in Stralock, <clears throat> for example, in the rain. Yeah. Well, you that's one thing it's... is I don't do Stralock in the rain anymore, and it's no, just, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have an umbrella. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I brought an iPad as a backup anyway. So I, I, if I had to, yeah, to a different screen, but yeah, man, that's one thing I was, I was just get to the stage look at your instruction identify the target locations depending how many targets there was I'd just write down a target ID I'd reference my hard data boom there's my mills write my mills down like I'd have my data sorted in 15 seconds for that stage and then I'd just be concentrating on either what roles I had in the squad be it scoring spotting or getting ready and then just obviously if I was getting ready then I was just like going over my equipment mags keeping everything dry like ammunition wise make sure my lenses were clear and then just making a plan for the stage rather than trying to you know get my phone to work and like say stray lock there's a bunch of things you got to push and scroll through so if you can eliminate that i found that to be a huge help when it comes to field shooting i mean simon's been telling me to do this for years is get hard data you know make a good hard data card and make it waterproof um and shit I'm yeah I'm so liking. how much wind stuff do you put on that on my data I put a so I use meters per second rather than yeah. miles per hour being that yeah. um, I use the metric system um, I put a five I put a oh, five really? meter per second 90 I hear degree. it's quite the thing these days it is most of the world in fact um, I use a five meter per second so in my I'll have my um, elevation adjustment in, in um, MRAD and then in the corner, written really small, I'll have a um, an adjustment for a ninety degree full value, ninety degree wind, at five meters per second. And then I'll, um, I'll on my data card, you know, it's got your sort of uh, quarter equals half of that, and then a um, a um, an eighth equals um, a quarter of wind value. <clears throat> so it's just a quick reminder of I can chop that into suit and angle just with you know just using a quick equation and then i can sort of um, subtract five meters down to whatever i need to do with a rough guess yeah <laughs> you've lost me here i'm just going back to stradock sorry bye. <laughs> it's pretty simple man but it's um but it's only really good out to about 700 meters carry the two no no it's not that you know like if you like if it's a five meter per second wind and whatever distance it's saying like it's saying you know 0.4 but it's coming from like one one thirty, then it's only going to be a quarter 
of that full value so it's going to be 0.1 like it's just shit like that it's 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 just eliminating the uh what about you south island's number one best shooter what do you do (laughs) um i run my ballistics and the binos usually for that close range stuff and wind i really don't work out i just sort of look at it and think oh it's about 0.4 okay and try that that's the way to do it um usually it's close pretty close um yeah the binos spit out how much elevation i need and i just write that down on my dope card on the side of the rifle and then wind i sort of yeah wind is more or less on the fly it's if it's further out like in six seven hundred meters it's normally pretty close but um anything further than that i'll actually do a proper calculation on the do you run a do you have a kestrel what do you use for reading wind no what are you nothing. gonna do, what are you gonna do when we go to ohini i throw it's grass be, in there it's gonna be a nice day <laughs> you're gonna throw grass in there it'll disappear before you even see it fall <laughs> no it's not gonna be like it'll be fine perfectly fine I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> uh, i've i've never um I've sort of been tempted to get a Kestrel, but yeah, as I said, all my wind reading has always just been done literally. Just pick a bit of grass up, throw it in the air, and get my get my angle, and sort of gets me close enough. So, yeah, I, I think taught by, taught by an American Indian. The angle is yes, the, the angle is taken for granted by a lot of people, or they don't actually and like yeah, it's it's more important than people realise you really need to pay attention to the angle the wind's coming from um, yeah the the angle's more important than the wind speed because you so. can have yeah. howling wind I was, yeah, one of our squad mates was asking me he's like oh how much wind did you have on for for that stage and he said oh, I, feel, I said absolutely none I said because the wind's just coming straight in your face yeah exactly so there's a lot of, lot of wind and he was like oh I was going to hold you know right edge or left edge I said no nah, hold centre plate and you'll be sweet yep. you know and that's obviously an obvious example, but yeah, the difference between a ten mile an hour quarter value or half value or full value wind is um is is huge. Um, so the yeah, it's but it's more than it's more important than getting the actual miles per hour because although yeah, even with a kestrel, you're getting the wind where you're standing. Yeah, right, I tell you what, it. it's worth looking into if you like. I mean, kestrels are quite pricey. I mean, me and Mark have talked a few times about getting them, um, but. I've got one of those little Kestrel. It's purely a weather unit. I think they're around three hundred fifty dollars. So it does temperature, obviously wind speed, uh, whatever pressure you run, being station or barrel or whatever, um, humidity. It does all of that. It gives you, and you can set it for average wind or, or, or um, you know, what it's currently reading. And that there, and then I'll just, if I'm running particularly long range, I'll input the data via that now my model doesn't have bluetooth but i imagine they've got bluetooth models now that'll run straight to your um your phone but that's a real sort of well relatively cheap option to get up-to-date weather um i think simon maybe runs the same it's pretty it's pretty easy um what's the altitude where you shoot at home anthony uh we're 1500 feet oh yeah whatever that is in meters so yeah, half at half at half at my place, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then so, what would you, what would you do for something like Ohini where it's a thousand meters altitude? Is he, are you gonna work it out? Well, I get, get always get or? the the yeah pressure is the 
I'm pretty big on yeah. big on pressure. Like that's about the only thing I'll input yeah. religiously into the whatever app I'm using. Um, depends yeah. which gun, but AB or Strelok, um The pressure is the main one, especially the further you go. The pressure seems to be and the azimuth as well for the long stuff um yeah those two yeah. make the biggest difference out of anything yeah i just put in pressure i don't bother with altitude yeah i wasn't, I wasn't saying i was saying you know the same thing but yeah. i'm just saying what do you do with a big change in altitude so to be fair i didn't hit that much when we went dohany so maybe i should look into it more my gun, <laughs> my gun did fall apart twice so it's, anyway. Yeah, but, but also mine performed differently at that same range too, so I had to make adjustment on the day. So, so I obviously wasn't right either. So, yeah. at, at those extended ranges, I think there's so many variables because your your wind is um yeah where you're standing means almost nothing when you're yeah. shooting out past a K because who knows if you're shooting over a gully or two gullies or you know I think when me and Mark did a little bit of extended range stuff couple of weeks ago and i'd sort of already made up in my mind how much wind i was going to put on just sort of looking at the trees downrange yeah. and then looking at the clouds and stuff for wind direction and um mark pulled out his wind meter and was getting i can't remember what it was it, was, it wasn't much wind but um and no. i sort of basically One doubled it from what yeah yeah and i th- my when i worked my calculation out i was virtually i doubled the wind because i figured all oh, the path of the bullet and everything it's gonna yeah your wind's gonna be worse up there um and it was right so it's yeah everything all those instruments to read wind where you're standing is, is great for where you're standing yeah um <laughs> yeah, yeah it's quite thing. interesting because if i'm spotting i'll call the winds winds building up then you're thinking hold on it's 900 meters away yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so it wouldn't have even changed the year or whatever, you know, sort of thing. So, yeah. Well, it could be going the opposite direction with, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 down there as well. You just don't know. Which it did but... at the Bowers Valley one. So, yes, Bowers like Ohini was bad for wind, just being hectic, strong, like the worst I've ever shot in weather was. But Bowers was winds in multiple directions, um, which yeah. which some people really struggled to get the concept of. Um, obviously, looking at the scores, but um, yeah, no, oh, that's interesting though. Um, I think I think one day I'll get a full-on Kestrel. I don't know if I really need it, but um, one day maybe we'll see. I, I think it's a bit like I don't know when you didn't have a rangefinder a long time ago, and when you start ranging stuff, you're going far out. I was pretty bad <laughs> at estimating it. Do you know what I mean? So the, it helps to calibrate your wind sometimes. To I don't know. To, to to actually validate it and say oh that's what it yeah six meters per second is that so you actually start to learn so then that means you don't have to use your wind meter as much down the track anyway because you you're basically going oh yeah that feels like about five meters per second so and away you go yeah just pick this hold up a bit of grass let it go and see how far it goes in a second there you go no that okay. hey, I that's exact I got taught that by Simon years back it was in summer when you, all the prickle seeds are blowing around you just yeah. reference okay between there and there's you know five meters oh, it took about a second to get between them well there you go you got five meters per second of wind and you can look down range again this is when there's seeds blowing about and shit in the wind and you can, this year. you can see prickle seeds moving down the farm right so uh, when, we, oh, oh, when, oh, when we were shooting I at your kid- place i wasn't kidding because that that's exactly how i do it i just yeah. see you know yeah. 
you yeah. watch stuff downrange moving and you can mill it in your reticle and, and yep. everything. When we were shooting at your place the other day during that session, that's how I was doing most of my wind for the 223. Because the 223 yep. is obviously really sensitive to wind compared to a 6 mils. I was just watching the prickle seeds and they'd start floating up and I'd go, cool, no wind hold. And then they'd move because it was obviously a little bit wind and odd things. Um, and we were pretty successful that day. But, but again, a lot of prickle seeds around, it's not always like that. But um, a handy tool to have. Yeah. Right. That's excellent. Good way to round out that. Uh... Prickle. So carry a pocket full of prickle seeds and spread them <laughs> on every cunt's farm. <laughs> this farm has got not enough thistles. It's <laughs> not an issue at my place at the moment. But yeah. Um. So yeah. Cool. It was, we'll round it out. Um. Another great event from Simon. Uh, again, short notice on a venue change. So it was a whole new event he had to plan. Um, again, Mark um, come through and gave a new venue, which is awesome. Allowed the event to go ahead. Um, big team of volunteers on, on Simon's side. I liked all the stages. I thought it was, you know, you think, no, I've been here in winter, back here again after the mill sip. But actually, uh, yeah, the variation was was good to make it quite interesting. So yeah, well, so one thing we haven't mentioned is if people follow our social media, you may have seen the the, the now famous trench. Where we um we ran a bayoneting thing and, and this surplus steel shoot that come into play in in this event now obviously we weren't running around bayoneting there was a dead sheep in the opposite end of it which we left there because it was mostly just bones and wool by now but um we had a couple of loopholes out of the um <clears throat> the trench you shot through now I might just quickly touch on there was two classes practical and open essentially the same course of fire all the same targets the difference is practical you're allowed a bipod, so any rifle up to a 300 wind mag or equivalent caliber, any scope, any rifle weight, a bipod, a sling, and a simple rear bag, no larger than a grapefruit. Yeah. And then... Um, <laughs> multiple times. Yeah, and then, and then practical class had um, same rifles, uh, but they were like any equipment, so they could use day bags, game changer bags... Like as in day packs, sorry, get um, tripods, fucking the bags that clip under the fore end, you know, all the sort of precision events you see overseas, so I'll game of gear, and um, and then all the different the good stuff, <laughs> all the things that make up for natural shooting ability. That's why open class shooters have porters carrying their bags. <laughs> um, so again, and now, so to offset the advantage they have in equipment. They have, a, like, generally two to four, depending on the stage, less rounds. So they don't have spare rounds. So if they've got eight targets or eight intended hits, they have eight shots. Whereas practical might have ten or something along those lines. Um, and sometimes eight shots for nine hits when, when someone doesn't proofread it. Which Was that one of my ones? <laughs> no, 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 I can't remember. I do remember an event or two where yeah. the, the open class guys had eight shots for nine hits <clears throat> well, you know the guys who are cheating then who got nine <laughs> but yeah Played so this so this, this, this stage we shot so practical which mark and i were in we shot um you shot through the loopholes in the trench which was a sort of sandbag positions and then practical they shot through the first one conventionally and the second they had to deploy their tripod under the clock and then shoot from like a meter back roughly through the loophole and um again similar to when we were shooting through the sticks in the brush um plan so your bullet doesn't impact 
the barricade as it goes through it and um and um, tear the sandbags up so that that was a cool stage um so you might see a few photos pop up out of the trench which will be will fill in in the next few weeks i guess won't we mark um for more sheep dying it but that was a cool stage again we don't generally shoot out of stuff like that um we did have the other smaller trench too um which was f- absolutely full of mud but we still shot out of that that was fun um yeah not yeah. great on a wet day I think it, I thought it was great. I had my brand new fancy warfighter athletic pants, and I was like, "Oh fuck! It looks like a pig's been living in here." And oh well, on my knees, and yeah, you know, got them all uh, bedded in, so to speak. Um, they didn't look nearly as fancy after a uh, sitting in the mud for five minutes, but it all washed off, and it was good fun. But um, yeah, so anyway, results, results. So the the big dramas of the day. We might, as well, we might as well touch on it. So stage five, early in the day, it might have been like the first squad. The main target, it was a, a, what we call a swinger, which is a, a steel target on a long rubber strap suspended by a carbon fibre rod, similar to a fishing pole. When you hit it, it starts moving very erratically and it's quite hard to re-engage. You it's just are, luck. luck it's, it's just luck, yeah. And then after engaging that so far, many times you were to shoot a, uh, a no-shoot or a hostage, we used to call them. We're not now for PC reasons. Um, so, so this broke early on. The event organisers made the decision to scrap the stage. Now, they kept everyone shooting what was left of the stage, just to otherwise you end up with a traffic jam and behind uh, the squads have already done it as uh, other squads move up too quickly. But um, so, <laughs> so our good friend, Mr. Wilkie, Mr. Michael Wilkie, very very good shooter undefeated at RTD we might add he he tanked the stage really bad what was left of it and come out with a zero or, or near a zero um but due to the stage no, it, was a, it was a zero what was, it was a zero near a zero near a zero so again he shot the no shoots so if you shoot the no shoots the hostages you get minus points right because it's not your intended target and um so what this did, this so when it was scrapped, um, so Wilkie Wilkie won. He he beat um, he beat, Ant, beat Anthony, who was in second place by one point. Asterix. <laughs> and then Ian from Hardy was behind Anthony one point back again in third. And um, because that stage was scrapped, if it hadn't have been scrapped, it would have turned the, the the top three around essentially. But the decision was made before any of us had actually really shot the stage that the stage didn't count anymore or um, was it <laughs> much to much to Wilkie's relief and uh, and, and Anthony's disbelief but that, that's how it is we, we quite often have um, stages that uh, a major target will go down sometimes we'll just eliminate the target but it, de- it sort of depends on several yeah, factors yeah I would have thought they would have done that actually well was just what was done well no because then it just made it too easy like the stage was easy apart from for Wilkie it was easy as I managed to zero it did you? <laughs> I think so I can't remember no surely no, not no you got or, I can't it's not, it's not on my school sheet so oh, yeah. so and then it, so all that was left was essentially a, a hostage at like it was like 300 or something metres it wasn't hard and so I just like shot three shots at it in like 15 seconds bang 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 hit it, hit it and then <clears throat> yeah anyway so that got wiped so that so anyway um top three we had wilkie collie and then Husey, 
Um, again, one point between each shooter. So very good shooting from all three of them. Again, difficult conditions. They had pretty high scores. You know, they're up in the high 70s um, percentage-wise. So pretty awesome. Uh, Mark, you what did you end up coming, bud? You were... 13th. 13th. And pretty good with the 2 3 I'd say. You no. Still, okay, I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> um, to be fair, maybe maybe the day year you could have you could, you would have gone better with your your normal comp gun, but um, I could have done better with that gun. So I'm just saying I didn't. I, I was happy with the gun shot. I was happy with the way the scope went. I just wasn't happy with the way I shot. To so. be fair, you have been trending good, bad, good, bad, good, bad at competitions. No, no, that's a myth. No, it's not. I've got it. I've got a spreadsheet here. <laughs> <laughs> so so maybe Mark's good bad so maybe maybe it's you this was your bad and then the next one which for you will be the two to three match let's hope you're gonna just excel you know um, i want to shoot the main match now shoot the main match no i got a wedding on the day of our event yes <laughs> Who, who's getting me anyway that's georgia oh yeah it's fair um and okay so anyway um they only need an arrow for the hill. That's fine. Um, I'm shot, there for most of the day. Shot Georgia. Um, I'm, I'm there for most of the day. I just can't compete. So. Well, that's good. Anyway, anyway, that's a conversation. Carry on. Um, and then, so for in practical class again, which is the same thing, just with limited um, sort of accessories. Third, we had... I'm looking at my scores wrong. We had Tom Sims weirdly shooting a 308 as his 6.5 is just about finished. Second... Um, as Simon said, continuing his very good run of results was Carl. He's one of the Taranaki crew. Um, again, shooting a 308, um, but just practicing with the same gun over and over and over again. So he yeah, got second in this event, got third at Circle Steel. He got first in the Magnum class at Bowers Valley. He got second in the 22 event in December. So Carl's on a, actually having like really, really good results. Um, so congratulations to Carl. And... I finally won a competition. I got first in practical, which has taken me about six years, I guess, about that. Um, pretty stoked, to be fair. I'm just waiting for your congratulations, Mark, but something wrong with your microphone. Oh, I was just muted, actually, so I'd said congratulations <laughs> several times. <laughs> uh, well done, Graham. Um, yeah. I did it in a year, but you did it in six, so I think uh, good things take time. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Now, so one thing I've, I've, I said, I'm a flash in the pan. You're not. So there you go. <laughs> one thing I've, I mentioned is I normally I was saying it to um, Anthony and Mark earlier, but I normally come away from a comp with like a list of half a dozen things I really want to like work on. Be it admin, um, and admin. I'm saying like you know sorting my dope properly. Reading the stage brief has always been a massive handicap of mine. Um, I just all of a sudden become dyslexic when it comes to reading them and stuff like that, and then or whatever position. Oh, classic! I've, don't worry, I've done this before. Exactly. Oh, anyway, yes, yeah. and then but yeah. then just this time, it just everything seemed to flow. Um, very little mistakes, um, and it showed. I mean, only cleared two stages, but everything was relatively. No guns flying apart. No guns falling to bits. None of my Although homemade. Someone's mods. someone's barrel did come loose. That was pretty impressive. <laughs> it's true, the barrel come loose. That's um, concerning, but <laughs> uh, build but, your own. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, again, um, kept consistent through the day and and, and constantly being above um, a certain percentage in the score. 
um, and it paid off. Ended up on six eighty three percent of the available score, um, which I'm pretty happy with. Um, the shots I dropped were just mostly little wind things, or or maybe not being as steady as I could on a position, which and that position was generally designed to not be that steady. Um, but yeah, happy, good, finally win the box of chocolates in a Cinefire event. Um, so am I right? What did we say a few years back? If you're in the sixties, you're up in the in the medals. I think I think you twenty percent. You won Tirado with like sixty five or sixty eight percent. No, 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 stop trying to. No. You, no, you did. I can bring up the old scores. If it I was seventy something. <laughs> I don't think it was. No, no. Are you googling it right now? I have no. I can't remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, but again, if you were sixty percent, you used to be in the run to win. Yeah. Um, but now it's just um, yeah, like scores are heading into the late eighties and stuff like that, and, and <clears throat> everyone's getting better. So events have to be made harder. I don't know, but we'll, we'll see. But um, but that's the thing. You still want the match to be great fun for that the middle tier of shooters, sort of the twentieth through to. To twelfth or tenth, you know. So, um, yeah, you don't want people going away depressed. No, when they're two to three, too so. many, yeah. <laughs> too many. You always have a couple. I, I yeah. love, I love the comments after a match. I always hear, man, I've really got to work on positional shooting more, or man, I've really got to shoot a work on unsupported positional shooting more. Um, and the thing is, now you have to work on everything. You can't just, um, yeah, it's just you have to be like people are training like. It's not just practice anymore, it's training. It's like it's targeted. Oh, God. You know, that's... Bring back hunter class. <laughs> well, we have hunter class coming up, so... Good. The um, weekend like, the weekend before last, right, we basically ran the equivalent of about four matches over two days just in training. Like, we sunk three or four hundred rounds each into those two days, and it was all match-type stages we i don't think apart from doing an initial zero check and dope check to the far targets we didn't once just fire a shot that wasn't part of a timed mock stage you know you're right fucking nuts (laughs) and like they was they were they were 60 seconds or a minute 30 like they were they were shoot and move shoot and move you know in breaking position and it, it was it was it was that's just like that's what guys are doing now. Now I can't talk for down south. I don't. I don't head down there much and compete. But you know, there's a there's good say, segue, uh, Anthony. You're still heading down <laughs> south this week. <laughs> yeah, where yep. are you, you? Where are you heading? <laughs> yeah, yeah, down to Hokanui for Sam's match this weekend. Me and Ian and Wilkie heading down to represent the North. So, are you uh, all travelling together? No, I'm. Oh, Ian's probably on the road now. I'm flying down tomorrow. I believe Wilkie's flying down on Friday. It's, it's oh, excellent. So you gonna, are you going to ring in New Zealand and say, um, there's a guy who needs a cavity search <laughs> on Friday? <laughs> Do it. Yeah. I, I will now. Yep. Yeah. 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 Sorry, Jeff. So. Yep. so there's a great, there's a great uh, rivalry between uh, <clears throat> Wilkie and Anthony. It's quite great. So it'll actually be interesting to see how you go this weekend because... Um, Wilkie, Wilkie pips you in the north and you, you pip him in the south it seems so little, uh, I'm interested to see you get on um, Con- controversially yeah <laughs> <laughs> the, um, no. No, it's going to it's going to be a very good match it's a two day match it's a lot of rounds it's going to be 150 or 160 rounds for the oh, match oh two days 
shit. It's two days. It's a lot of shooting. Um, and a scoring system, I believe, is just one point, one hit. Um, apart from first round impacts for the stage, is worth 1.1. 1. 1. So you have very few opportunities to fluke a, a good score on a stage because you've hit some high value uh, targets. Uh, you know, they're all the yeah, same. Just to separate it, right? Yeah. So, so there is some differential. If you do get a first round hit, then you are slightly rewarded. And. I mean, it could come down to the point one. You never know. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Makes life hard. Although they do run practice for uh, A collie, one hundred point one. Wilkie. M Wilkie, one hundred point two. <laughs> God, I hope that's. <laughs> Fuck, that's a stupid scoring system. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Why can't oh, we have a shootout? Yeah. No, that's funny. Um, no, well, good luck. And it sounds, it actually sounds like from the people I talked to, that's the sort of one of the better matches down south. So, um, I actually, I am on police training all weekend, not to become a police officer. I'm just range bullshit. But um, yeah, whatever, girl. We know, we know you're. <laughs> I'm an secretly operative. in the fuzz. Yeah, no, I've uh, yeah. So otherwise, I because I have flights, credit, and everything. I'd actually head down to that match. Um, but anyway, that's that's life. Um, but yeah, have fun and. Um, yeah, show those North uh, South Islanders. I've seen a bit of smack being talked <laughs> online. Right. Yeah, I've seen a bit of bit of shit talking from them online. So um, get out. Oh, there. you should see you should see the uh, non-public stuff. It's where it's it's getting it's getting pretty tense. <laughs> can't be right. Talking about group size is not really smack talk, though. Really, come on. No, 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 no. No, I'm just saying. No, Come on. There's been a. There's been a lot of messaging back and forth over the last week between various people, and it's it's good good banter. It's all part of it, eh? It's the banter. Yep. Love it. Yes, yes. Yep. Um, yeah. The, no. sled, the sledging. Sledging. And then, so what, and then go down there, um, your Wilkie, and try and win that, and then come home and start getting ready for uh, our TDA again. Again, yep. Again. Yep. Sweet. Cool. Break out the 33. Oh, that's right. We've got the long-range um, side match. Very yes. That's the best part of the weekend. And Mark's, it will be the Mark's f- going to shoot as a 50 cal. I've got some A-tips. Oh, you uh, got... So, sorry, eight. I've got 20 rounds of Amex ammo for it. So. Fuck, here we go. Mm. There won't be a 50 rounds of practice this time then, will there? Well, let's so what, are you, what are you going to use after you've done your dope check in zero? <laughs> that'll be gone <laughs> I've worked out I've got seven rounds to practice with so there you go what if you miss with all seven I'll use a bit of Greek <laughs> what if I miss with all seven well I'll video it with a drone won't I so I can work it out home <laughs> field advantage eh? yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, nah, cool um, yeah that'll be fun we'll um, actually we'll, we'll just find me some more ammo down south and bring it up that'd be great there'll be, be some somewhere um, alright cool I think that about wraps up uh, this episode thank you all for listening thank you Anthony and Mark once again for coming on um, and we will see you we'll talk to you all again in a couple of weeks righto cool thank you